24 players debuted this weekend in MLB, and we've got the details on all of them, including the shade from Shohei Otani to his former Japanese rival, Shintaro Fujinami. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, editor-in-chief of BravesToday.com, freelance baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is made possible by our friends at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So 12 pitchers, 12 hitters debuted in Major League Baseball on opening weekend. And we've got the winners and the losers here and some interesting comments and interesting backstories. So let's open up. Shintaro Fujinami uh, made his first start in Major League Baseball for the Oakland A's. And it really was a story of two separate starts. So The first two innings, he faces the minimum. You know, gets four strikeouts all on his splitter. He throws a fastball, splitter, slider. The fastball velocity is uh, mid-90s, touches 99. Really kind of easy, smooth delivery. Splitter is low 90s. Tunnels very, very well. That's kind of, that's the Japanese game, is the vertical game. Fastball, splitter. Uh, does have a slider that he throws high 80s. So looks really good early. And then we get to the third inning. And uh, Shintaro Fujinami, Oakland, uh, the Angels score 11 runs in the inning, okay? Fujinami, again, he went two innings, faced the minimum on four strikeouts. He finished the outing, two and a third innings, five hits, eight runs, three walks, and four strikeouts. Just, I mean, he went from looking very good in the first two. Like, he uh, he struck out Mike Trout on a 95-mile-an-hour splitter that was just it made him look silly. But he's got command issues. And so, walks the leadoff guy and just uh, gives up five hits. Shohei hits an RBI single. And the backstory here between these guys is... Uh, Shohei and Fujinami were coming up together in Japanese baseball. So they actually faced off one another uh, in high school. There was a big high school tournament in Japan. Like it's like the biggest baseball event of the year for them. And it's a giant high school tournament. And you'll see pitchers throw twice on a weekend. And it's it's like guys who do well and take their teams to victory in this are considered like heroes. And when they were both in high school, they were kind of seen as like 1A and 1B as far as the quality of these guys. And Shohei was working on being a two-way player. Fujinami was the better pitcher at the time. Like Otani hit a home run against him, but his team like but Fujinami's team scored 9 runs on Otani and they won 92 and they went on to win the national cha- uh, title and then defended that title in the summer tournament. So 
they have some backstory. They have some history there. When they became professionals, that's when it kind of started to split and Fujinami's control issue started to be a problem while Otani started to be the dominant ace. So after the game yesterday, they're talking to both of these guys in Japanese and obviously separate, and Fujinami doesn't acknowledge Shohei. I believe his quote was, I'm glad I was able to compete against the best players in the world. And they ask Shohei, who ended up being one for two with an RBI, uh, they ask Shohei about his thoughts about Fujinami. And Shohei says, I didn't see that many pitches. I think the sample size is too small for me to comment. Little bit of fun shade there from Shohei Otani to Shintaro Fujinami. Aside of Shohei Otani, we don't see a lot. That was kind of fun. Uh, I think the best outing of a, of a pitcher that was making his debut over the weekend, as much as I want to give it to Johnny Brito of the Yankees, who, I mean, barely was in the top 30 going into the season, was called was thought to be a long relief man, came up, gave the Yankees five innings pitch, two hits, no runs, six strikeouts. I'm going to give it to Cody Senga. So another Japanese pitcher uh, was, you know, earned the win, went five and a third innings, three hits, one walk, eight strikeouts. Seven of those strikeouts came on his forkball. So uh, Senga's kind of unusual in a Japanese pitcher in that he's got amazing velocity, and Fujinami does as well, but it feels like a lot of those Japanese pitchers don't have that blow-you-away velocity. But fastball sits 98-99, can touch 101. It's easily a 70-grade pitch. And then, again, very vertical game, in Japan. So he's got a true 12 to 6 curveball. He's got a, a splitter that he throws as a changeup. And then he has what they call the ghost fork. And I'm I'm I urge you, if you have not yet seen this pitch, go to Twitter, go pull up Pitching Ninja, and watch some of the videos of this ghost fork. I don't really know how to describe it. And the best way to describe it is it's kind of like a a splitter changeup, right? Uh, it has very little rotation like you would normally expect a lot of pitches to have. I want to say it's around 1,000 RPMs. It comes out with the exact same tunnel release, arm speed, everything as the fastball, which is what makes it so deadly. But it's got a little bit of horizontal movement, about 7 inches of horizontal break, but it's got 38 inches of vertical break. And most of that is at the very end of the of the movement as it approaches the plate. And so it just kind of like dives off the plate at the last second. And that's why he's able to get so many strikeouts on this thing. It's a vicious looking pitch. But the reason that I'm giving him uh, the 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 player, I guess the the debut of the week over Johnny Brito is that first inning was kind of shaky, right? 36 pitches, two hits, two walks, a wild pitch. But he recovers control-wise, strikes out two guys, leaves the bases loaded, and then from there just cruises, finishes the outing, three hits, one run, three total walks, eight strikeouts, gets the win. And not to take anything away from Brito, Brito's start was uh, very, very good as well. Five innings pitch, two hits, no runs, six strikeouts against the Giants. A lot of uh, four-seam Fastballs, two-seam fastballs, 
a changeup, a cutter. Uh, I believe I saw some gyro sliders in there. So a little bit different from what the Yankees like to do with the sweepers, but just a lot of a lot of interesting stuff in Johnny Brito. Uh, they sent him back down on Monday morning. They're not going to need a fifth starter for a while, they said. So they went ahead and sent him back down, and they'll bring him back up later. But just Cody Single looked really good. Uh, Jared Schuster for the Braves is a guy that had another rough first inning, rougher than Singa's, but recovered to have a good outing. So the line says four and two-thirds innings against the Nationals on Sunday. Six hits, four runs, five walks, and a strikeout. But when you look how he opens the game, and it's a young man who's from, I think, Bedford, Massachusetts, so he's closer to home, had a lot of family there, game three of the season. He opened the game, walk, I'm sorry, uh, single, single, walk, single, walk, walk. He's down 3 nothing. No outs. He gets a he gets a pop fly to the infield. He gets a sacrifice fly to deep center. Scores a run, and then a five three put out to end the first inning. From that point on, he only gives up three hits. One of those being a double and two singles and two walks the entire rest of the outing. It's just something where he struggled early. Like a lot of young pitchers do that. The adrenaline's going, everything like that on your first start, and once he recovered. He ended up making it through almost five full innings and left the Braves in a position to let the offense try to win, although the offense did not score enough and they lost, I think it was four to one. So just a situation where another another young guy who started started off slow and then uh, came back to recover and have a respectable outing. Not a great, not a quality start, but a respectable outing. A lot of the other debuts you saw over the weekend were were in relief. We saw Tad Ward, the Rule 5 pick by the Nationals. He got two innings against the Braves, two hits, two runs, two strikeouts. Uh, you know, just a lot, again, a lot of relief appearances, an inning here, an inning there, an inning in the third here. Tim Heron for the Cleveland Guardians. Inning in the third, no hits, four strikeouts. Struck out all four batters he faced. Just a uh, lot of really interesting pitching debuts. But that's most of the starters that debuted in MLB over the weekend. In just a minute, let's talk about some of these hitting debuts and figure out who had the best one. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events, whether it's sports, whether it's concerts, whether it's a play, anything it might be, it should not be stressful. And so what you got to do is you've got to use the Game Time app. They've got killer deals on last-minute tickets. They have the best price guarantee. So you can stop stressing out over trying to get tickets for the event that you want to go to. Uh, personally, we're the type of people I love to go to concerts. And oftentimes, I'm going to be going by myself. And so rather than sitting there on Ticketmaster you know, days and weeks and months in advance waiting for the pre-sale to start and trying to have the code and all of that stuff. I just wait until a couple days before I can hop on a game time and I can go and find the tickets that I want to see. They, they give you an image. You can see where your seat, like what the view is from your seat. Two, two taps, you've bought it. The tickets come straight to your phone. You don't have to dig through your email. There's no PDFs. And they have the game time guarantee. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less than what you paid, they will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, 
Use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms and conditions do apply, but create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONMLB for 20% off, for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Okay, looking at some of the notable hitting debuts over the weekend, we covered uh, Anthony Volpe and Joey Weimer on yesterday's show in the first segment of the mailbag, if you've missed that. But a couple other interesting ones. Jordan Walker of the Cardinals goes 4 for 12, hits a double, that's two RBIs, steals a base, no walks and one strikeout. Played all three games, the full games in right field, which conversation that we had going into this was there are a ton of outfielders on this team. And so what, like, how do you find playtime for Jordan Walker? Was it going to be right field? Was it going to be left field? Was it going to be stuff him doing DH, things like that? Turns out they just stick him in right field every game. Everybody else has kind of had to work around that. So you've seen whether it's... uh, Tyler O'Neill, whether it's Dylan Carlson, Alec Burleson, you've seen other guys not necessarily having all of the playtime right now uh, because they're just saying, nope, listen, uh, we've got Lars Newtbarn left. We are playing Jordan Walker in right every single day. So he's played three full games. Oscar Colas of the White Sox. He's played, There's they've White Sox have played four games already. Um, he played in three complete games. And then on opening day, he was not the opening day starter, but he was a pinch-hitting sub in the seventh and then stayed in the game. So on the season, as of Monday morning, 5 of 14 with a double, an RBI, a stolen base, no walks to three strikeouts. So really happy to see Oscar Colas in the game, able to do a lot of stuff there. Uh, Bryce Terang. We talked about Bryce Terang making the Milwaukee Brewers. He got the final spot on the roster as a second baseman who can play a little bit of utility stuff if you need him to. Three for seven on the weekend. He got two complete games, and then the third one, and we mentioned this when we talked about Joey Weimer yesterday, was uh, he was put into pinch run in the eighth inning and then stayed in the play second base. Uh, so he's gotten in three games. He started two games. He's three of seven, double. RBI, three runs scored, a stolen base, and two walks to one strikeout. But Sunday was the real breakout for Bryce Terang. Two for three, the double, two of the three runs, the RBI, drew two walks on Sunday. So kind of showed that, hey, maybe we don't need to rotate me and somebody else at second base. Maybe I can just be the guy at second base. Matsutaka Yoshida has been the interesting one for me. I feel like it kind of feels like I've underrated a lot of the Japanese players and or just haven't necessarily paid the proper time and attention to them going into the season because I'm like, oh, well, they were foreign professionals, so they're not necessarily a traditional prospect. And when we, next segment, we're talking about the prospect promotion incentive. Those foreign professionals are not eligible for these, but they can still win Rookie of the Year and things like that. Matsutaka Yoshida, four for 13, Three RBIs, a stolen base, one walk to one strikeout. He played two games in left field and played one game in DH because they wanted to give uh, Justin Turner an opportunity to play the field. Obviously, he's not going to play third, so they put him at first base instead of DHing, and so they made Yoshida the DH. I think the thing with Yoshida is 
I was thinking of him just as a kind of like a one category performer. He's going to give you batting average, but the power is not necessarily there. And then the speed and the defense and the arm strength isn't necessarily there to be that impactful. Well, Boston's kind of the best place for him to be, right? Because when you're in left field, you don't have to worry as much about the range because it's so shallow, right? So your below average defense, I'm sorry, your below average speed can still give you okay defense and left because you can get to balls quickly in front of you. There's not as much ground to cover, right? Uh, Ball goes over your head. It's probably off the wall. You just have to play it off the wall. And then batting lefty, when you pull something, I think Fenway is the shortest distance down the right field line, uh, you know, there to the pesky pole. I believe that's the shortest foul pole in baseball is the right field foul pole in Fenway. Fenway. So it makes sense that Yoshida would work out well with the Red Sox and he had a good uh, outing over the weekend. Some of the other notable position players or just position players in general that got a debut, right fielder Corey Jolks for Houston went one for four in his first game. Center fielder Nathan Lukes uh, walked. Uh, he was playing for Toronto. I think he came in the game later, walked, scored a run. Ryan Noda for Oakland had two at-bats, didn't get a, 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 a base hit. Brett Wisely for the Giants. Blake Sable for the Giants. Neither one of them uh, got hits. Uh, catcher C- Caesar Salazar for Houston. Uh, got, an, got an at-bat, got on base, not via hit, uh, scored a run. And then we talked about Joey Weimer yesterday. I think probably the best prospect debut position player-wise of all of these guys in the very first game has to be Yoshida. He's the only one that collected multiple hits in their first game. He went two for four with an RBI and a run. So we kind of have to give that award to him. In just a minute, I want to talk about the prospect promotion incentive, the additional draft picks that you can get for your prospects when they get called up winning awards, and why a couple guys that you would think would be eligible for them, like Julio Rodriguez, are no longer eligible for some of the these awards. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends with Ultimate Pro Baseball GM. Super fun game. We've been playing this now for a couple weeks. I've always figured yeah, I could be a major league GM, and I think I'm good, but I'm not great. Uh, if you've ever wanted to manage your own franchise and handle literally every aspect of running a major league baseball franchise, whether it's hiring coaches and staff and figuring out what strategies you want to run on offense and defense and things like that, whether it's managing team finances, how much to charge for tickets, concessions, parking, all of that stuff, whether it's scouting and drafting players, navigating the draft, whether it's free agency, trying to go out and sign guys, having to deal with the personalities that are already present in your coaching staff, in your lineup, your clubhouse, and amongst potential free agents uh, and, and, and prospects to be drafted, building a farm system, all of that. You can do all of that in the Ultimate Pro Baseball GM app. It's a very thorough, uh, realistic, and challenging game world incredibly deep, as deep as you want it to be. You have options to turn things on and off. But what I love about this is, one, it's completely free. You can play it offline. You don't have to have a connection to play. And because of that, you can play whenever and wherever you you want, as much or as little as you want. It doesn't tie into real-life time. It's not like you have to log in every 12 hours to do a thing. 
it just lets you play as much or as little as you want. I also love the fact that you can make leagues with your friends. We have a league among the Lockdown MLB hosts, so we are competing against one another in the same league with our creative teams. We're competing for free agents, we're competing in the draft, we're competing on the field. Jeff from Locked On Guardians is very good. Um, Ethan from Locked On Pirates, not as much. And so it's kind of been fun to beat him as much as I have. And then Brett from Locked On Astros has been fired twice already. He's not good at this at all. Uh, so, Locked On MLB Prospects listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. Make sure to check it out. To download the game, visit probaseballgm.com. If you're on YouTube, you can scan the app or scan the code on the screen, or you can look it up in the app stores. ProBaseballGM.com, the ultimate baseball GM app. Start your dynasty today. Okay, so we've got a lot of questions about the prospect promotion incentive and how this works, and I kind of want to update all of this. This is the anti-service time manipulation thing that Major League Baseball put in in the CBA. So the way this works is you can receive draft picks, additional draft picks, if your players, your prospects do certain things as far as top three finish for MVP, Cy Young, uh, Rookie of the Year, or win, win Rookie of the Year, or top three finish in MVP or Cy Young. Now, there are some rules, and so we have a list. We're tracking a list of the guys that are and are not eligible for these awards going forward. So the rules for this. Number one, you have the, the player must be on two of the three preseason top 100 prospect rankings. These are defined as Baseball Americas, MLB Pipelines, and ESPN. I'm sure Fangraphs didn't love not being that third one. So you have to be in the top 100. There's a couple times where you see guys, some of these Japanese players that I've mentioned, they might be on one, but they weren't on the rest. Uh, number two, you have the player has to be rookie eligible, and they have to have fewer than 60 days of MLB service when the season starts. So if you'll remember, the official definitions for rookie eligibility oftentimes revolve around like, like at-bats and things like that. Uh, Baseball America looks at at-bats or innings pitched, and so they have Gabriel Moreno as a prospect for the Diamondbacks, He's on two of the three top 100s, but he's technically not rookie eligible. He spent too many days in the bigs. So that's why they say, even if you're on the list, if you have more than 60 days of service time, you do not qualify for these. And then the third thing is, if you do all, if you're doing one and number one and number two, you have to accrue, to accrue one year of service time as a rookie which is defined as 172 days on an active roster. So you either have to leave spring training as a member of the roster or get called up within two weeks. So Joey Weimer's call up on, on Saturday. Absolutely, he still has time to accrue a year of service time this year. And if you do all of these things and then you win a Rookie of the Year award or you finish top three in MVP or Cy Young award balloting, you can get your team uh, a a draft pick after the first round. So Julio Rodriguez last year spends 21 in double A, 
22, straight to the bigs. He wins the American League Rookie of the Year award. Seattle gets the 29th pick uh, in this year's draft with $2.5 million in slot value and bonus money that goes along with it. Now, Julio Rodriguez is not eligible to get them a PPI pick for an MVP finish in the top three, or technically a Cy Young, but he doesn't, he's not a pitcher, because he's no longer a pre-arbitration player. He signed a contract extension. So the Atlanta Braves, they had, uh, not only did they not have Michael Harris up all year, but they signed him to a contract extension. So even if he had been up all year and then won Rookie of the Year, he would not be eligible for additional draft picks because he signed an extension. Spencer Strider was up all year. Theoretically, he could finish top three in Cy Young or MVP, and they would have gotten a pick, but they signed him to an extension. I So I believe Corbin Carroll is not going to be able to get the, uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks a... Uh, a draft pick if he wins Rookie of the Year because he signed an extension and he's now no longer considered a pre-arbitration player. Now, it's possible, I'm not sure the exact specifics on this, it's possible the extension kicks in in 2024. And if that is the case, then they can get one for him in 2023 if he wins Rookie of the Year, but then they would not be able to get uh, a 2024 pick for an MVP finish or a 2025 pick for an MVP finish. I believe that is the way it's set up. I'm, I'm not 100% sure as to when his, his extension kicks in. Because you do have the ability to override a current contract or to add on to the end of the contract. So I'm not sure how that works. Um, players that are classified as foreign professionals, so Singa, Yoshida, Fujinami, they are not eligible for PPI draft picks. They can still qualify for Rookie of the Year because it is their first year in Major League Baseball. But they are not, uh, even if they had been on the top 100, which they were, which I don't think they they were on more than one top 100 list, they would not qualify uh, for draft picks because they are foreign professionals. So the list of guys from last season who are qualified right now for continuing PPI eligibility in years two and three, meaning a Cy Young finish in the top three for these pitchers, or an MVP finish in the top three for these pitchers, or an MVP finish in the top three uh, for these hitters. For the hitters, you have Jeremy Pena of the Houston Astros, Geraldo Perdomo of the Diamondbacks, Bryson Stott of the Phillies, Bobby Witt Jr. of the Royals. For pitchers, you have Joe Ryan of the Twins. The Cincinnati Reds have two guys, Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo. And then the Rays have Shane Boz. Now, something important to point out is if you are injured and you are on the injured list, you do accrue service time. So, Cade Cavalli technically uh, would, would have been a... PPI qualifying prospect, top 100, full year of service time this year. Theoretically, like, he he is also, after this year, will be on the PPI list because he will get a full year of service time because he accrues it on the injured list. So, technically, if he won Rookie of the Year last next year, I don't think he will. He won't be back until halfway through the season. But 
uh, a future top three Cy Young or MVP vote for Cade Cavalli will also give him uh, a, a PPI pick to the Nationals. He's not technically on the list because he's a 2023 guy. So he hasn't met the qualifications of getting a year of service time yet. Those are the eight guys, the only eight players that are eligible from 2022. Uh, 2023, the list as of now is a little bit larger. You got Hunter Brown, uh, Tristan Cassis, Oscar Colas, Gunnar Henderson, Josh Young, Logan O'Hoppy, Ryan Pepio, Ezekiel Tovar, Miguel Vargas, Anthony Volpe, Ken Waldachuk, Jordan Walker. That is the list as of now for 2023 going off of guys who were in two of the top 100s and were called up early. You still have time. There are some players that were optioned to AAA that you could call up within the next week and a half or so, and they would then qualify for it if they spent enough time up. Uh, Third baseman Brett Beatty of the Mets, Oswald Peraza of the Yankees, and then the pitchers Grayson Rodriguez and Deal Hall of the Orioles. Any of those four guys could get called up in the next week and a half, still get 172 days of service time, and still in that case, get their teams an additional draft pick if they either won Rookie of the Year this year or finish top three in the next couple years for Cy Young or MVP. And then again, if they sign an extension, they are no longer eligible for this. Fantastic week this week. AAA has already started, but the rest of the minor leagues start this week. So we're going to start going over where some of the top prospects went to start 2023 seeing uh, who got an aggressive assignment, who got a conservative assignment. In the meantime, if you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, shows on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com, or drop your questions into LockedOnMLBProspects Discord. Links in the episode description, links in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer.